this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Morning, creative beasties of the world. I hope you got more sleep than I did because I'm running off of five hours. But this is Random Badassery, the podcast on the quest to find creativity, break it down, and understand it. And with me on this conquest, conquest, no, not conquest, but on this journey, is the Sancho to my Ponza, the Don to my Quixote, Mr. Lamwen. Um... That is the most epic intro you've ever given me. Nice. I was about to lose it, probably the thread of the the thought <laughs> about three times. I am so tired. Yeah, good job on navigating that one all the way through. I don't know how that happened, but hey, sometimes you get lucky. Well, you know, you know, actually, I wanted I wanted to tell you something. Every time we start these intros, it reminds me. Did you ever watch the TV show Psych? Oh, yeah, I did. I, I didn't want much, much of it, though. I think I only watched, like, the first season. I want to... I, every time we do this, I want to do what he used to do to Gus, where he gives them those crazy names every time. <laughs> I was actually... While I was actually waiting for you, I actually wrote some of them down uh, because they just... They crack me up. Ovaltine Jenkins, Galileo Humpkins, Lavender Gooms, Squirts Macintosh, <laughs> Chesterfield McMillan, Methuselah Honeysuckle. Oh, Long, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Long Branch Penny Whistle. Clementine Woolly Socks. And so, so many more. Uh, if you guys have never watched that show, you should watch it. It's pretty funny. And you know what that, that while I was writing those down, you know what that kind of reminds me of is, um, you remember in Cheers, every time Norm would come into the bar, mm-hmm. somebody would ask him how he was doing, and he always had like one of those, he always had something to come back with. Sure. Like, like uh, uh, they say, how's it going? And he'd say, it's a dog eat dog world, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. Oh yeah, I actually remember that one. I love, I love that stuff. Uh, my friend John used to, when he was watching the Cheers reruns, he had a notebook and he would write down every one of Norm's little things. 
Uh, and appropriately enough, I guess that fits into the theme of what today's episode is. For those of you who don't know the format or maybe have forgotten where we are in the grand scheme of things, today is our inspiration episode where Lam and I, we start the episode bringing in a quote that we've run across or that has been recurring to us throughout the month, share it with each other. We go on tangents of understanding and uh, after that, then we share anything else that's bringing inspiration into our lives with the grand scheme and the grand goal of inspiring you guys. So, Lamb, you're at bat. Wow, mine are going to be kind of mashed together today because um, I found something late last night um, that that just floored me. It's the, the podcast. So I, I know we should probably be talking about that at the end of the episode, but... Um, I, I just I, I want to just mention how how deep I dived into that. I went eight episodes deep, um, and I started at eleven thirty. So it gives you some idea as to what time I got to sleep last night listening to those. Um, so the quote that I found was basically one that I found while we were while I've been doing this dive on Meryl Streep, which by the way um, is has been fascinating in ways that I never imagined it could be, uh, which is always kind of the case going from episode to episode. Um, when it comes to the, the, the artist features that we do, but this one has been oddly eye-opening, um, in, in a much more humane way than, than some of the others, um, just because of the work that she's done with, with humans. Um, so the one that I found, um, is very much something that I need to instill more in my own life. And I've been working hard to, to, to try to integrate into my, my train of thought. Now, let me just give you the quote and then we can go from there. Integrate what you believe in every single area of your life. Take your heart to work and ask the most and best of everybody else too. And that is Miss Meryl Streep. And for the record, uh, that is our next artist study. We do one a month if you're new to the show. And our next study is on the wonderful actress and so many other things, Meryl Streep. And the podcast Lamb was referring to as Song Exploder, which I'll go into more later. To denote some kind of artistic forward movement, it was more a uplifting or a, a, a freeing. Um, and I think that that's, that's where, you know, our colloquialisms and, and our, our definitions over time get modified because we need to use these words in a way that makes sense to us. But I don't necessarily think that they're most of the time, I don't necessarily think that they're, they're what the intention was. Yeah. I like that thought of words moving past their initial definition. Cause I, I mean, I know that definitely happens all the time. I mean, to me, like, motivation or just drive and grit those are all kind of the same thing right nobody can give you those things sure either you develop them or you don't nobody's going to motivate you they're going to give you motivational speeches they're going to use that word but all they're doing is trying to inspire you sure. um, uh, to me the work of art that work of creativity the work of creation whatever form it is in, whether it's a business or art artistic field is like driving a car, right? You still got to drive. You still got to put the foot to the pedal. You still have to steer. You still have to have gas. There still has to be a road, but inspiration is like having a song on the radio. Mm -hmm. It just makes the driving better. I think, I think for me, inspiration is, is, because I don't think about inspiration much past the point in which it, it is catalytic in my life. Um, for me, inspiration is more about the door opening. Uh, once the door opens, then 
what you do with with that door being open or whatever path that leads you down is is everything else that you're talking about you know the passion the motivation the the the, the drive the path everything else um, all of those things to me are post inspiration and it's tough to really define inspiration as a continuous thing because I don't really think that it is at least not for me it isn't um, so for for me inspiration don't get me wrong, like it, it can reinvigorate something like with you and Charlie, for example, there are moments where um, you hit you hit um, slower spots and something you find a particular phrase or a particular um, a, a particular uh, a set of words that that makes it move forward for you. And I think for me, it's kind of the same, too, as well. So I think inspiration is not continuous. It's 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 momentary and it's catalytic. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely not continuous ever. Um, and just to clarify for those who don't know us well, Charlie is the name of the character in the novel that I'm working on. And it's kind of our code name for the novel. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, to, for me, like, I think the problem I have with the way that inspiration is used so often is that people sit around waiting for it. Sure. I think that's one of, I don't, I don't like to see it as a start for something. Because I feel like uh, then it gives people the excuse to, well, I don't feel inspired. Guess what? Most people don't. Um, people don't make things when they're inspired. They might start something when they're inspired, like you said. Uh, but how many times have you, like, I'm sure this has happened to you. Many times in my life, I've been inspired by some idea of a story. And those little inspirations that I wrote down, there's a lot of them. Most of them that became nothing. So the, sure. the inspiration is worthless without the work and the effort and the motivation and all of those things. So th those are things I always focus on. But I feel like um, what I want these inspiration episodes to be, which I think is why I wanted to talk about what it means. Uh, I want these to be something that you guys are already, I hope, working to do the things that you want to do in life that you, you're motivated already. Um, I'm not trying to get you to be motivated. Uh, I want these to just be something that makes you feel good about what you're already doing. I will add this though. Um, and I think this is a very important distinction for both you and I as well is, um, you know, in, in thinking about this episode, because, you know, obviously given that it's a brand new format and that we've never done anything quite like this before, at least, you know, I think we do this to each other all the time. You know, there, you'll, you'll send me at least a couple of messages a week about what you're reading or what you're watching or what you're listening to. And I kind of do the same. Um, but I think that the, the key thing for me when thinking about this episode is you're never inspired if you don't do anything. <laughs> yes. I think in, inspiration is found in the process of doing things that you don't necessarily think will inspire you. Um, for example, when we were talking about doing our individual podcasts, um, we would have never discovered that if we weren't doing these these other podcasts and we weren't adding episodes. It's the the addition of activity. It's the continuation of activity that that forces inspiration. And I think that that can't be something that's underplayed. You know, something that's very important for for anybody who's who's creative or anyone who's who's working in the business world. If you want inspiration, you got to just do stuff. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think that more than anything that's that's the best way to word it and to say it okay so let's let's get into um our quotes here um this is i'm not sure how this is going to go it's an idea um so this might change over time guys who knows we'll see what happens here um lamb do you want to kick it off 
Oh, um, yeah, I guess uh, the, the, the quote from me uh, comes from what I consider to be the first serious author I read. Um, and I didn't even realize uh, back then, for example, that books were not tra- were translated from their original languages. I think it was 12 uh, when I originally read Crime and Punishment. Um, so that's Fyodor Dostoevsky is the source of my quote. And I remember one of the first ever lines that became memorable to me, um, so much so, in fact, that I had it tattooed on my chest, quite literally. Um, the quote was from Crime and Punishment, and it goes, to go wrong in one's own way is better than to go right in someone else's. And um, the, the power of that quote has always, that the power of that line has always stuck with me pretty much throughout the last 30 years of my life. What's it mean to you? It means that it doesn't matter what what path people tell you you should live. Um, like, for example, you know, if you follow the path that, 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 that I was originally set down, I should have gotten a job in the Silicon Valley. I should have been an engineer. Um, I should have, I should have married and settled down and had two kids and a dog by the time I was 30 or 35 or whatever. Um, I should have watched them grow up, retire, um, you know, have my friends that I play golf on the golf course with when I'm 55 and then die what most people would consider a full life. Um, and at some point in my life, I just realized that none of those things were me. Uh, that wasn't the path that I was, I was most comfortable with or the one that felt most natural to me. And I feel like the quote, um, that I often remind myself of, um, as often as possible, um, it reminds me that I have to do what feels right to me, regardless of whether that's right to anyone else. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like uh, throughout the course of my life, I've strayed from it. And every, every time I've strayed from it, ironically, I feel like I become a worse version of myself or an unnatural version of myself. Um, and I become insincere. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, that, that isn't really obvious to other people, but it's very, very obvious to me. It's, it's very much like the Robert Frost, um, the road not taken. Yeah. Uh, the two roads diverged in in a wood, and I took yeah. the one less traveled by, and it's made yeah. all the difference. And uh, I think, ironically, I, I shouldn't say ironically, just non-surprisingly, actually, our two quotes in some way are related to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, guys, we didn't tell each other what we were presenting today. I, I still have no idea how we do that. I guess it's from doing podcasts for a year and a half together that we've somehow managed to have this weird brain synergy. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, obviously it's never going to be exactly the same, but I think that uh, I'll, I'll share mine and then we'll talk about the interplay between the two of them. Mine is from a book called As a Man Thinketh by a man called James Allen. It's honestly, I would say it's a book uh, of inspiration. Uh, I didn't really pick it on purpose. I was just kind of like looking through, um, my embarrassingly extensive quote collection (laughs) and it stuck out to me. And then now I realize I'm like, what a perfect place to start. You start with the author who most inspired you, uh, or first inspired you. And I pull a book that is basically a whole short book of inspirations. Um, Here's the quote. Man is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a creative power and that he may command the hidden soil and the seeds of his being out of which circumstance grows, he then becomes the rightful master of himself. 
Huh. And to me, that's that's the idea of exactly what we were talking about with uh, with inspiration, and also plays into this idea of what you were saying is live out the path for yourself, not the path that's laid out, supposedly laid out for us. And to understand that you are beyond the circumstances which you see about you, that you have the power to create more than just to create, but to create your own life. And that's the ultimate creative power that we have is the person that we choose to create ourselves to be the path that we choose. Choosing a path is actually a creation. We are creating the path. We are creating the vision of what we are going to do. And more than anything, that's a realization that's come to me very recently. And, uh, it's played a very, very strong role in my life. Um, it's one of the many ideas that I've come across that has got me out of the anxiety pit that I was living in. The realization that I can choose whether to be in that pit or not. That's interesting because I think part of the reason why we fall into the traps that we do, especially emotionally, is because it's hard to accept responsibility for those things because they seem so they seem so so massive. Um, you know, especially for for guys like you. I mean. You know, I, I know I've suffered with anxiety for, for many years, and I, I, I still do today. But I realize, regardless of how, how much I realize there's there's a sense of personal responsibility that, that comes from that, um, I, I still fall in the, the trap of, of, of thinking that it's the outside world or my external tormentors that are leading me to that anxiety. Yeah, I think there's a um, a willful choice in what we focus on always, right? So, um, when we, you can actually observe this in yourself. Um, so you don't, you guys don't have to take my word for this when you're angry or when you are sad, think about, think about what you're feeling. What are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? You're focusing on the thing that's pissing you off. You're thinking you're focusing on the thing that's making you sad. Um, in a way, we're choosing to wallow. We're choosing to stay in that emotion. So you think about when you're angry and somebody makes a joke, that makes you more angry, right? Because you don't, how dare you knock me out of this mood that I'm trying to stay in? And when you start realizing that you do those things, you start realizing, whoa, all of this stuff, all of these choices that I'm making, that I think all this life, all this stuff that I think is happening to me, this is all a choice. I've I've chosen to see the things this way. I've chosen to believe this way and I've chosen to act and feel this way. And that's a powerful realization. Yeah, and it it's it's also one that that is oddly depressing in a way. Um I mean don't get me wrong, I I I'm not a guy who likes to live in regret. Um but there there are moments where you realize how much time you waste wallowing in those emotions and I think that's 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 a trap you can't really follow into either um as I know people who who have this realization at some point in their lives I remember um you know my cousin going through this and at one point she realized how much of her own anxiety she was creating um and she fell into kind of a pit of despair um as to to you know how much time she felt like she wasted not getting to know her mother um, hanging out with her brother a little bit more. I mean, there, there are things that you can definitely fall into on the other side of that, that as well, that, that realization. So it's important to realize that it's there, but it's also important not to, to fall into, 
um, fall into regret concerning it too as well. Well, the danger of, of what you're talking about is that you've come to a realization, but you haven't stepped out of the mindset. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because you're taking the exact mindset that is the problem and applying it to the problem. Yeah. So by by wallowing in regret, you're doing exactly what we're talking about, focusing on the thing, the the bad mood, focusing on the bad feeling. You're you're taking so you haven't actually stepped outside of it. And that's that's an important thing that as a human being that we need to realize is realizations don't mean anything until they're applied. Sure. And and that goes exactly with what we're talking about with inspiration, right? Inspiration doesn't mean anything until it's applied. Uh, sure. You can have this thought. You can have this, oh, wow, that's true. But what does truth mean if you're not applying the truth to your life? You have to learn to break yourself out of cycles. And like, for example, you know, like I'm right now, I'm very focused on what I'm doing right here. But I could easily be thinking about something else while I'm doing this. I could easily be thinking about my finances. I could easily be thinking about the fact that at the end of every month, I have about $40 to myself after I spend bills or spend on bills. I could think about that. And that could be in the back of my mind. And that could taint this conversation. Um, and that could be my mood. But what I'm thinking about now, what I'm trying to focus on now is I love podcasting. I love having these conversations with you. I love digging into this kind of stuff and sharing it with people. And that's my mood. That's the mood I choose. And that's a, that's a creative choice. I've created that. And that that's no different than when we write fiction. Uh, the best stories and the best novels are written by people who are able to step inside of those worlds that they create. They are able to feel what those characters that they create feel. They're able to feel what the what the other characters would feel in response to that character. And those that control, that's everything. That that's the difference between getting up at five when you have to be at work at seven just so that you can write for a half hour and not doing it. Sure. That's I mean the, to me that going back to your quote, that's that's choosing the path. You're choosing your path. You're not. It's, it, it's so difficult, though, because I mean, especially for guys like you and I, I mean, I think about this as I, I watch, you know, Crystal struggle with her business, too, as well, because she's doing something very unconventional. Having an unconventional path is, is a very isolating and lonely path. Um, and at some point in your in your growth as a human being, you, if you choose a path that looks like that, you have to you have to make some decisions about who you are as a person. You have to you have to decide that it's OK um, to not have a, a, a guiding light, to not have people who can show you the way, um, you know, and, and you have to be okay with taking responsibility for the things that you need to do in order to create the path. Because that's the thing, right? Like when we're talking about, you know, whether it's your quote or my quote, the, 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 the through line is that you have, it's your responsibility, you know, it's your responsibility to find the route that you're going to take, to find the tools that you're going to need. And I mean, even when we're talking about doing these podcasts, for example, um, you know, just the sheer number of, of of different things that we've tried in order to to produce this podcast in such a way um, that we could get our, our our message across while still sounding pretty good. Um, you know, even my own journey with trying to get um, the the equipment that I've got to to produce my own personal podcast has been difficult, and I know you've gone through a lot of the same as well. 
any anywhere along any of those paths uh, or any of those those particular bumps in the road um, along the paths that we've chosen, we could have chosen to stop. We could have chosen to give up. Um, and I think that that's the one thing that that I think that 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 is very different from what we're talking about when it comes to inspiration um, is that this is where the work comes in. You know, this is where the determination and, and, and the drive to, to complete something or to push through and, and, and create something, especially in your, in my case, for example, to create something that is useful to other people. Um, that's where you have to keep the goal in mind and you have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. I think that one thing to me that always brings that together for me is, it isn't easy because it's not supposed to be easy. Uh, that's why it's the road less traveled. Uh, sure. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Everybody would be doing it. So you imagine, really think about that. Millions, billions of people all able to do exactly what you do. That's truth. Anybody can do what anybody else can do for the most part. Unless you're Stephen Hawking, uh, you know, some, some people have certain gifts that other people just don't have access to certain kinds of brains. But for the most part, uh, when you take it to the idea of he's doing what he wants with his life, everybody has the power to do that. But if everybody was doing exactly what you're doing, taking the exact same path as you, then it wouldn't be the path for you. That would just be the path, right? Sure. Every path has to be individual. Every path has to be difficult because it—it's a choice we have to make. We are either willing to forge into the woods, or some people—and this is not a bad thing. This is not a denigration of these people at all. But some people are happy to walk the path that other people have walked. Some people feel um, safety in putting their feet into other people's footsteps and following tradition and doing things as is expected. And those people are important too. We, we all need that, but there's for creative people, the path is difficult because the path has to be difficult because sure. the, the, the process of creating requires that mindset. And not only does it require the mindset, it requires the effort. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing that I always think about when it comes to artistic creation, you know, in our last episode, for example, with the uh, artist profile, just thinking about Frida Kahlo um, and how how hard that path was um, and how, you know, it, it, it ties in very well to what you say, because for most of her, her life, she did walk the path that um, everyone wanted her to walk. Well, not even that everyone wanted her to walk, but just the path that that that, that was the, the the expected traditional path. And she was very happy to do that. You know, she was going to go to medical school, she was going to be a doctor, and she was going to help people. But when life threw her a curveball, and when she was nearly killed in a horrific accident, she had to make some some very difficult choices about how her path was going to change. And the moment she chose that path, she she went down it unrelentingly. Um, you know, despite her her physical disabilities and her immense pain, she still pushed through it. And that's that's a good example of what we're talking about. Um, you know, how once once you get to a certain part, a part of the path, um, especially as an artist, you have to make a choice um, because every step that you go, um, every 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 step that you take beyond a certain point becomes progressively more difficult and. The artists that are most successful are the ones that are willing to push through those difficult moments. You know, like I think about what we've done with the podcast, and we've had plenty of moments where it's been 
you know, either technically impossible or whether or not we felt like we were reaching enough of an audience um, or whether, um, you know, or not we were we were hampered too much by our logistical requirements in our lives. But we've pushed through every single one of those. And I think that we take it for granted, both you and I take it for granted, like how difficult this has actually been. <laughs> That's true. And, and, you know, like, I mean, we, we, we have our full lives. You know, I've got a full-time job with a nasty commute on either side. And you have a million different things that you're doing pretty much on a daily basis, including trying to write a novel. Um, and, you know, while we were at, in the thick of this podcast at the very beginning, you were producing a daily vlog that consumed four to six hours of your life every single day. But we still managed to pull this off. And we pulled this off not just having you know, these other things in our lives, but having difficulty with the thing itself. Like podcasting is not easy. And for anyone who who wants to take on the endeavor, I mean, please listen to our previous episode because heck, we've we've gone through so many different versions of, of how this podcast is both created as well as shared um, that we would love for you guys to listen to that just so you avoid a lot of the mistakes that we made um, and a lot of the trial and error that we went through in order to find um, the right solution for, for producing what we consider to be at least, you know, for me, I'm very proud of this podcast. And for me, I'm very happy with the things that we share. Um, but, you know, I, rarely do I take a moment to, to sit back and look at how difficult it's actually been. And it, it's not ending. We had, uh, what, 20 minutes of setup for today's episode. Uh, I have <laughs> that's just and that's just 20, uh, 20 minutes this morning. Uh, we've also been messing with it for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a new microphone. Lamb has a new microphone coming in the next day or two. Um, weird technical issues where I can't hear myself. You guys heard if you listened last week, I was having echoes in my headphone. It continues. Um, but what brings us back? What is our what is our inspiration is. I love doing this. And you, like you said, you're proud of this. This is something that requires work. It is, it is difficult. It is laborious. The editing process, it kind of sucks because, Hey, I've just recorded this episode and you know, it's, it's about two hour chunk of our day um, because there's half hour before a little talk afterwards, about two hour chunk just for recording. And then I'm going to spend at least minimum two hours to edit it because I have to listen to the whole thing Make sure, you know, if there's any really obnoxious noises, I got to cut those out. I got to take notes so that I can put the show notes down. Then I'm going to put this up. You know, usually it's about dinner time by the time I'm done with this whole thing. And that is not a complaint. I look forward to Wednesdays, despite all of that work, or maybe because of all that work. You know, work is not an awful thing. Um, having to work hard at something is not a bad thing. And that's another mindset that people... If I can inspire you to do one thing, to use the word, get out of that mindset of work being something you have to do, something that sucks, uh, especially when it's something for something you love. That's a privilege. It is a privilege that I can do all of these things, that my Wednesdays can be dedicated to this, that I've found a way in my life to have a, a Wednesday dedicated to creativity where I can talk to my friend, I can produce something that I'm proud of, and I can share it with the world. That's the mindset that I live in on Wednesdays. And that that goes back to this whole thing of choice. How you choose to look at your life, how you choose to look at the things you do, how you choose to look at the effort that things require will define you. It will define everything. And it's, 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 it's so easy to give up 
And if there's anything that uh, that I can I, I want people to take from this episode, it's that at every single point in the process in which you're doing something, you have the choice to give up. Um, you have the choice to, to 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 throw in the towel and say I've had enough, and this is this I can I can go this far and no further. And you know, in almost every in almost every medium, um, you know, I talk to athletes like I, I you know I'm running um, the, the the golf thing, and I talk to successful golfers all the time. And the one thing that that I find that's that's a continuous through line between all of these things, whether it's an athlete or or an artist or a business person, is the moment in which you reach the wall is the moment you have to push harder. Um, and all of the successful guys, like I, at some point, I met you know Phil Levin from, uh, um, from Evernote, Evernote, and I also met uh, Jeremy Stoppelman from from Yelp. And it's funny um, how how similar their philosophies are. Um, and I think this is a philosophy that transcends um, any artistic medium or any business medium is that, you know, for the most successful people out there, the biggest thing is that moment in which you find you find a wall, you find the breaking point and, and you push through it. And there's an amazing there's an amazing there's an amazing um, energy that comes from that. The, the, the ability to, to see yourself as invincible just for a second. Um, and I think that that drives you to to doing to doing bigger and more difficult things because you you progressively discover that literally nothing is impossible if you really really push for it. And what's important, going back to that idea of that wall right there too, that is such an important point because the wall. This is this is something that comes from uh, cognitive learning. What they what they understand about how the brain works when you reach a quote unquote wall when you reach the difficult point in learning something that is actually the point at which you're learning uh, because you're foraging new neural pathways sure. so that that resistance is not meant to buffet you back that resistance is when you actually start working is when you start learning is when you start growing um, so when you hit resistance you're meant to climb over that resistance. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. That's that choice thing. But the point of the resistance is because, you know, it's running uphill. Why do people run uphill? Because it builds muscle. Mm, interesting. So, I, I mean, I guess in the, it, I wanted to save this quote for, for another episode that we were going to do, but it, it, screw it. I'm just going to say it because it's... <laughs> A, it, a, a, I love the quote because it fits what we're talking about, and B, it just makes it so that I have to to do more reading, which is awesome. Um, but the quote is, if it's if it's nothing worth doing is ever easy. I don't remember who said it. I don't know where it came from, but it is one that is probably going to end up being tattooed on me at some point, just because I think it's such an amazing quote. You know, I think of all the easy things in my life. I think about all the 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 you know to pick up a comic book or to to which is cool in its in itself but it it doesn't really um it doesn't really drive me to do much more um, you know to pick up my phone and play a game on my phone or something like that i mean it's all of those things are easy but the difficult things you know trying to trying to figure out how to hit a 20 foot putt or trying to figure out how to light this small object in order for me to photograph it or how to write a podcast that i feel can be useful to people <laughs> you know all, all of these things are, are are so difficult, but every single time I do one of them, I learn so much, not just about myself, um, but about how I affect other people. You know, that's that's one of the amazing things that I've learned actually from doing our podcast is that I've 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 started to hone my ability to communicate ideas and 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 
processes with other people in such a way that they can grasp it, um, you know, in such a way that they can take it away with them and, and find it useful for something, um, not just the thing itself, but for something else that, 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 that might um, be, be difficult for them. So I, I, it's, it's, it's the quote itself, um, you know, the, the quotes that we've thrown out in the quote itself, which is, you know, nothing worth doing is ever easy, um, very much defines that for all of the choices that I try to make these days, you know, always make the harder choice, always take on the thing that you feel like you can't do and always try to do the impossible because you'd be surprised at how often you can actually do what you think is impossible. What I'm. I guess I'm going to follow suit on you right here and throw out some other quotes too, because <laughs> that you have to, when, when it fits the subject, it fits the subject. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you can't, you can't save stuff, man. You gotta go for it. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk in his, uh, ask Gary V book. And he says, uh, does it all sound like a lot of work? It is how people react to the prospect of so much work is really what differentiates people what differentiates between those who build successful small businesses and those who eventually give up and go work for someone else. Sure. So there's a, a more practical opinion on it and less artistic um, perspective, though I think it's still apropos. And then uh, ironically, considering something you and I were talking about recently, uh, the second one is from Cheryl Strayed um, from her book, Tiny Beautiful Things. I know it's not easy being an artist. I know the gulf between creation and commerce is so tremendously wide that it's sometimes impossible not to feel annihilated by it. A lot of artists give up because it's just too damn hard to go on making art in a culture that by and large does not support artists. But the people who don't give up are the people who find a way to believe in abundance rather than scarcity. That, That's an amazing quote. <laughs> I love that woman. I'm just going to tell people eventually we're going to do an episode on her and it's probably going to be after our Bjork one. She's just an incredible human. Um, that might be even a better way of saying what we've been talking about with this choice is sure. it's that perspective, right? Abundance, scarcity. There's not enough. There's not enough time. That's, that's, that's the scarcity that most people um, are living in when it comes to creation, right? There's not sure. enough time. Yeah. What if there's more time than you need? What if you, what if you learn to see things differently? Um, and that's hard. That's very difficult because at first it feels like you're lying to yourself. Sure. And maybe well, you are. I mean, I, I struggle with that too, right? Like, I mean, if I think about my life as it is now with the job that I have and with the commute that I have, there's no way I should be doing a podcast with you. There just shouldn't be. Um, you know, and I guess it, it also comes down to, it comes down to a quote that another quote that I heard a while back, <laughs> we're just going to throw quotes out pretty, pretty much every five minutes, <laughs> um, which is if it's, if it's important enough to you, you'll find time. Right. And I think that, that that's, that's, you know, and a lot of people have fought me on that. You know, I, I, I and I, I, I have a feeling that when I first heard it, I also fought the idea of it as well, which is, you know, that's not true. Time is finite. You know, the amount of time that you have to do anything on a given day is finite. You have 24 hours. Um, but I feel like in, in my older age, I realized that it's not about time. It's about effort, energy, and prioritization more than it is time. And I feel like, you know, like with this podcast, for example, with certain aspects of it, I've gotten better and faster at doing things. Um, you know, with my golf game or with my photography or with my writing, it's also the same thing. You know, I've gotten better at doing things. So they take less time 
because I put in more effort. Um, and I feel like that's there, there, the, the, the equation has to be modified for people who think of it just as a time thing. You know, it's not just a time thing. It's an effort and energy and an education thing too, as well. Yeah. That's super important right there. What you just said, all of that. Um, I think people need to digest that there's, I mean, there's, I don't remember what it was. I just literally watched something or listened to something the other day and somebody was saying, uh, oh, you, you don't have time to whatever it was. You don't have time to do that. But you just told me about how great that last episode of Game of Thrones was. Is it, is, sure. is, is that your priority? Going back to one of your things is apparently if you can find time to watch Game of Thrones, then Game of Thrones is more important than we'll say writing a short story. So, yeah, which, 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 by the way, is perfectly fine. You just have to admit that to yourself. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Nobody says anything right or wrong. Absolutely not. But those are choices that you're making. And all we're trying to do right now, I think, um, is to point out to you that you're making choices. Sure. That you've made choices. And sometimes you've made choices without knowing it. And they might not be choices that you're willing to live with. So look at the choices you've made. And if you need to change the choices, that's that's within your power. You just have to acknowledge what choices you're living. What What are the rules that you've created in your life and that you're living by? What are the rules? Are those rules you want to play by? Those are important questions. And I guess for, for, for me, you know, even with the Fyodor Dostoevsky quote and going into this podcast, I think, or into this episode, um, I think the biggest thing for me was to make sure, the one takeaway I wanted people to, to have from this episode was that I wanted people to be aware of the choice, um, that I wanted people to be aware of the fact that it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, a crippling job, um, you know, a relationship that you may or may not be happy with, um, children that you have to take care of. I mean, sure, all of these things are very important, um, and they're all very important to most of the people that are probably listening to this, but it's all about choice. It's all about choosing. If you have to be up at two o'clock in the morning to write an episode for this podcast, for your podcast, or or paint at at, at during your lunch hour and and eat while you're painting, whatever it is that you you care enough about, once you do it, um, I I think I think that the 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 awareness of the choice isn't just the choice itself, um, but like with my golf stuff, for example, it's continually making the choice until it's no longer a choice. And I think that, you know, it goes back to things that you and I talk about all the time, which is creative habits or, or, or positive working habits. Um, you do something until you don't have to think about doing it anymore. And I think that that's a very important thing for people to take, um, you know, from, from something like from, from the quotes that we gave, like, especially the Dostoevsky quote, um, the, the, the hard, the, the, the difficult thing about choosing, uh, a path that isn't common or normal is that you you will not have the same set of choices as most other people. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a choice that you have to continually make in order to make sure you don't divert from that path. And the one thing that you get that most people don't get too is a damn good story. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, nobody wants to hear about the guy who had the guy or the woman who had all the time in the world that had all the money in the world and in their leisure they wrote a novel who gives a shit 
<laughs> you know what story people want to hear? They want to be here about the woman who has two children that she's raising by herself that is working two and a half jobs because she has to make all of the bills and she has to take care of the children and she has to pay for their medical bills. And she didn't even get to graduate college. She had to drop out. And then somehow amongst all of that, she was able to find the time. It took her four years, but she wrote a novel. That's what people want to hear. They want to hear the obstacles that people overcome. Why? Because of everything we're talking about right now. That's really why those things, we want to hear those things because they inspire us. Going back to the meaning of this whole thing, right? They inspire us because we look and we go, it is possible. It's not going to, sure. it's not going to make us act, but it clarifies a point that something is possible when we see that. When we see somebody like Frida Kahlo, who, despite all of the pain in her life in so many ways, left us, left us with so many beautiful paintings. Or somebody like Beethoven, who was deaf at the end of his life and still able to write music that makes our souls sing. Those are the stories. Those are your privilege. And without the difficulty and without the hard obstacles, without the resistance, without those walls, those stories don't exist. And that is your privilege, your and privilege. I feel, and I, I feel like it's, it's, it makes for better art too. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, I don't think that, that, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode. I don't, I don't think that pain creates art. I think pain, I think art transcends pain. Um, and you know, the thing that you said about Kurt Cobain, that was, that was his, his way of, of, of fighting against the tide of his pain. Uh, you know, look, if you look at a guy like Fyodor Dostoevsky, um, for example, he was a manic depressive and an alcoholic, but he wrote some of the most beautiful books in Russian literature. Um, he was, you know, and I, I think that, that you're right, that, that, that story, that, that, that life that he lived that was so difficult and, 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 and terrifying and grueling. And in most other, um, you know, if you, if you put most other people in his position, he probably couldn't have done the same. And, I mean, going back to another one of our previous subjects, Isaac Asimov wrote, what, what did we decide? It was like 500 books. Oh, something <laughs> grotesque. There's, there's, <laughs> do you guys think that that was easy? Think about how much time. I mean, he released, it was like five to ten books a year. Shocking. Can really just like digest that for a second. Five to ten books every year for, I mean, the bulk of his life. Uh, that was work. That was not easy. He didn't even have the difficult, his, he didn't, uh, I, he didn't have Frida Kahlo's pain. He didn't have those those kind of obstacles. His obstacle was the one we're talking about right now, time. So do you think that Isaac Osimov spent a lot of time watching television? I have a feeling he probably never watched television at all. He just prioritized, I'm going to sure. read. I mean, and he had to read excessively to do the stuff he was writing about. It wasn't just fiction that he was writing he was writing a considerable amount if not 80 percent of what he wrote was nonfiction, which requires yeah. research and reading and 
unbelievable amounts of contemplation. And and not only that, but um, the thing that I, I took from that, which is a ruthless dedication to his craft um, and his subject matter. Um, and I think that the, 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 you know, it's funny how inspiring our episodes are to, to my own personal life. You know, I, I realize that if I want to get better at certain things, like with, with the golf stuff, for example, I ha- it, I just have to be ruthlessly dedicated. There's just no other answer. You know, there's, there's, there's literally no other way to achieve what it is that we want to achieve unless we have almost a narrow-minded, singular obsession with that thing for however long it takes. Like, I remember your conversations about, about Charlie, um, the novel, um, and how, how you would send me messages every couple of hours um, with revelations that you had. I mean, I, and, and I sat back and I thought about that once. Um, and it, it meant that you literally were thinking about Charlie every hour of every day for a period of time. And I thought that that was really cool. I, I thought that that was amazing. Like it, it, it very much uh, runs along the same lines of what we're talking about, which is, you know, you, you have to maintain that, that focus and that ruthless dedication in order to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. And I think one thing that I've been really focused on recently is um, this idea of working in themes. Um, what I mean by that is, okay, so you have you have to work at your job, right? Yeah. When you're there, it's probably better if you're not thinking about this podcast or you're not thinking about um, a story that you want to write. It's better if you focus on what you're doing and, and do the best possible job you can at your job. But when you're working on the novel or, or when you're working on a short story, I mean, or you're working on your podcast, it's probably best if you're not thinking about work. Right. These, these, these are logical things. Like I said, I shouldn't be thinking about bills while I'm doing this podcast. These are pretty logical things, but I think I just put this together in a way where it's, I realized recently two things. So one thing I realized is if I'm going to make progress on my goals, I need to be able at the end of the day, be accountable to myself in the sense that when I sit down at the end of the day, I can ask myself, what did I do today that made progress? on one of my goals and make sure that every day I'm doing at least one thing that's forward momentum, even if it's a small thing. This is kind of stuff that I've, I've um, stolen from David Allen and getting things done. Um, It's his next action thing. Always make sure you have a next action, right? Well, make sure you're always completing something towards the goal every day. But then I started realizing how difficult that that was still because it's everything was still so scattered. So I actually wrote down every day of the week and I said, this day is this theme. So this is what I'm thinking about. As long as I get something done for this on this day. So on Mondays, for example, I'll share, I'll share with you guys on Mondays. My theme is my personal podcast. What I want to talk about. I write that episode that day. I record it and I post it that day. Anything else that gets done that day, is extra but that's my focus that's my forward momentum tuesdays i'm gonna start doing my vlogs on tuesday i did it yesterday i'm gonna try to stick to weekly because there's people there that still like to watch those things and i, I like those people i want to communicate with them wednesdays is this show i make sure that this show is done on wednesdays thursdays the novel fridays i do art i like to draw or i paint i do something like that 
Saturdays I have set up as a buffer, you know, because maybe something comes up on Thursday and I can't do the novel. Well, I can do it on Saturday. So I have that buffer day. And then Sundays is the day when I organize everything. Now, the, the reason that this that I'm going through all these details is I, it doesn't mean that I'm not doing things for the other things on the days that they're not themed, right? I'm actually writing a scene for the novel every day. But it's not my focus. If I miss writing that scene for that day, I haven't failed because it wasn't my job to do it on Monday. And that allows me to focus in a way that does exactly what you're talking about. You know, you're talking about with golf, you have to be ruthless. You have to keep doing things until it's no longer a choice. Well, when I create this schedule and I can tell myself, Monday, I'm I'm doing this, it's Monday, this is what I'm doing. I get myself into that mode to where that's what's on my mind. And I know that I can get that done. And that that's training. That's the kind of work that this requires. At least for me, everybody's going to need something different. But this kind of stuff, this is so much more important than inspiration. To set up a training regimen for yourself. You know what I mean? Whatever's going to work for you. You set up a, a regimen for yourself. And, and you work. And you have grit. And you have follow through. And you don't give up. Inspiration things like this, listening to this episode, this is to make you feel good about what you're doing. This is to encourage you to keep going, you know, like patting you on the back. We can't run up the hill for you. You have to do the running. You have to dedicate that time every day to that. Those those are the things you have to do. And there's not a, a damn thing that anybody in the world can do to take that out of your hands. But what we can do is give you better tools to do it. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, your your idea of themes is really, really cool. Um, I have the micro version of that for myself as well. Um, and by the way, I find this to be incredibly effective. So for anyone who's who's looking to take on an, an endeavor that is unnatural to their current life, this is very, very important. And it might just be important in general for um, your relationships, your friendships or whatever it is, which is. The ability to create a point of separation. Um, and I do this with almost everything that, that um, like, for example, my work can be very frustrating. It can be very grueling. Um, and so when I go into a creative endeavor, I don't want to take that energy with me. So I forcibly create a space for myself that allows me to separate from that environment. Um, lately, for example, it's been, um, you know, listening to a certain song or, or going to a certain place. Like after work, I'll go and I'll sit at a park for 10 minutes, um, you know, or after after I'm doing uh, some other task, I, I will forcibly remove myself, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally from uh, whatever environment that that I have a certain energy in, in order to reset myself, in order to be able to have the right mindset to go into the other activity. It's really, really critical that you do that. Otherwise, you just take it with you. Yeah, that bleed is, it's a dangerous thing, having uh, worry, I would call it worry bleed. You know, you let the worries of one thing bleed into another. That's a, that's a big, that I like that, that point of separation. Um, and it's not just effective for, for creative endeavors, by the way. It's also really useful for relationships. <laughs> you You will find that when you do that, um, and you take stock of, of how you've been towards your significant other, you'll find that you take out stuff on people you care about much more often than you realize. 
that goes back to that whole choice of what mood you're in, right? Why do why do we why do we take out things on other people? It's because it reinforces the mood that we're really choosing to be in. Yeah, it validates your misery, basically. Yeah, if you're mad and you you fight with somebody else, what you're doing is just I want to stay mad. So if I can if I can piss this person off, then that will feed my madness, um, sure. which is madness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so let's let's go into a little of the microcosm out of out of this area for the the last part of this episode. So I just I think that it's it's good to share with you guys some of the things that um maybe are, are inspiring us right now um because maybe you guys will dig them. Um Lamb, what uh kind of stuff do you have for huh. this? Got anything? Uh, interesting. Uh yeah, I got quite a bit. I, I dove back into some um old industrial um music pedals and not just old industrial things. Old, old um, industrial I, buildings. Yeah, old industrial buildings, which, by the way, are very, very cool. Um, I have a book called The Art of Decay, uh, which is one of the coolest books I've ever owned in my life. Um, it basically shows a lot of really beautifully photographed, abandoned, dilapidated areas, like certain parts of Chernobyl and, and things like that, which is amazing. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, what I am talking about, though, is I've, I've dived back into old KMFDM um, and craft work. Actually, craft work is amazing. Um, so for some odd reason, my, my, my mind really wants rhythm right now. Um, and it kind of started with reverse engineering my love for Trent Reznor. So I started with uh, the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo and the stuff that he'd done with Atticus Ross. And then just basically backtracked it all the way back to Pretty Hate Machine um, and pretty much some of the stuff before that. And then I started to think about, um, you know, what it was that, that, that inspired Trent Reznor to produce electronic music in the way that he did and that's where it led me so these days um i i find myself asking the question why a lot like why do i like certain things like why do i have such an obsession with strong female vocalists for example i have i have a, a very strong desire to hear like a, a, a you know which is part of the reason why um bjork is such an exciting subject for our next artist profile for me um so the, the question why has been preoccupying my mind lately KMFDM doing it again. Treat for yep. the freaks. Yep. <clears throat> I listened to a lot of KMFDM back in the day. <laughs> and I, I guarantee I, I'm not su- I'm not surprised by that at all. I guarantee you that there's a lot of people listening to this that have never heard them. And it's gonna be a trip if you go check it out again. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of Oh man, so much differentiation in there's a very narrow sound of what they're doing, yet amongst their albums there's so much differentiation i haven't listened to that stuff from forever yeah 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 i had i li- it's literally been at least a decade since i i purposefully listened to kmfdm i mean i've randomly heard it here and there but i didn't i didn't dive back into it for a very long time and yeah i mean it's you listen to it with a, when you listen to something with purpose you listen to it very differently and you listen to you listen for a lot more detail and uh yeah it's very interesting to hear how broad that spectrum is in a very tight space and there's so much um so much political stuff in their in their lyrics as well i mean at the time i feel like there was a period of time where the industrial <clears throat> excuse me where industrial music was making statements um that nobody else was making in music at all sure um a lot of anarchist ideas and stuff like that it's not necessarily things that um i would say i agree with cuz i don't really remember what they're saying so I don't want to say yes or no right now, <laughs> but I just remember at the at the age that I was listening to it, it was um, eye opening. 
What about you? What's kicking around in your brain these days? Uh, well, ironically, the I guess I should stop saying ironically because usually I use it wrong. Coincidentally, um, you said the thing about Atticus Ross and soundtracks and stuff like that. Uh, I found that I've reached the point with writing where I cannot write to music with lyrics anymore. It's uh. it's just too distracting. It uh, I can't. My brain cannot juggle the two things at the same time anymore. Um, using my language, the language center of my brain, um, dually is just, I'm, I'm burning it out. So I've, I've been trying to find instrumental music. And at first I thought, you know, like maybe I'll go through and find just instrumental songs from albums that I like. And then I was reading something with one of our previous subjects, Neil Gaiman, and he talked about how there's like three or four albums um, of three or four soundtracks from movies that he likes to listen to when he reads. Um, I think it was the the butcher, his wife. It's the a lot of the um, can't remember the guy's name. Is it Greenway, the director? Anyways, uh, certain certain director uh, soundtracks from his films. I didn't find those, but what I did is I started going through. And making a playlist. I would listen to a soundtrack and just throw stuff on there. And then, you know, sometimes these soundtracks, they have talking in them from the movie. So as I'm going through, pulling pulling those songs out. Or some are too quiet um, because it's like a mood piece for the movie. It doesn't really work to write to um, because usually I'm writing in a coffee shop. And if it's too quiet, it doesn't block out people. Um, so pulling those out. And the soundtracks, of course, first place I went was the Inception soundtrack. Uh, nice. Zimmer, Zimmer's amazing. Zim, Zimmer or Zimner? Zim, Zimmerman? Zim, 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 Zim. Um, I actually think it's Zimmerman. Hans, I'm going to look it up just so that we don't sound Hans Zimmer. <clears throat> Hans Zimmer, okay, got it. Hans Zimmer. Zimmerman was uh, Bob Dylan. Oh, that's right. <laughs> We're just throwing they're out all to, of they're, our... They're start, yeah, they're starting to bleed together here, Chad. That's good. That's what... We're creating a stew here. <laughs> By uh, the way, I, I don't know if you've listened to it recently, but just to throw it into your soundtrack uh, stew, uh, please go back and listen to some Marconi stuff. Um, check out the, the good, oh, the bad, yeah. and the other soundtrack. It's amazing. Ennio <laughs> Marconi is like the god of all soundtracks. Ugh, so good. Um... Yeah, so I have Inception soundtrack in there. I have the Interstellar soundtrack, which is Hans Zimmer as well. Um, I'm not going to remember the names of the other people to do these other soundtracks, so you guys will just have to look it up yourself if you want. But, um, oh, the Tron Legacy one, that was Daft Punk, which is more orchestral, which is why it works. Um, it's less electronic. Sure. There's one that I'm forgetting, but two that I found that, I think all of those are kind of obvious, right? Those are kind of, okay. But the two that I found that surprisingly work really well for me is there was a movie called Moon. Oh, yeah. Great movie. The soundtrack for that is amazing. Um, By the way, it's an amazing it's an amazing movie, too. <laughs> it is a great movie. That's, um, what's that guy's name? The actor. I always forget his name. Oh, what is his name? The guy from Matchstick Men. Yeah, uh. And he was, he was Wild Bill in The Green Mile. Oh, that's going to bother me because I really like him. Yeah, I'm just going to name every movie he was, he was 
<laughs> yeah, he was also he also played. Um, um, I remember the character names. He played uh, opposite Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. Um, yeah, he was. Um, oh, dude, what's his name? Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam. Sam Rockwell. There we go. Sorry, Sam. This episode of the podcast is presented by I Forgot. <laughs> and uh, like the disclaimer, like we do on every episode, this is not an informational podcast. Yeah, at a certain point, that might become the plug line for the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other soundtrack, District 9 soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that one's really good, too. It's such a trip, though, because it's got some, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to say... Uh, some sort of ethnic sampling of some sort. It's from, I don't want to assume that it's South African music um, because I don't know anything about that, but it's, it's got a lot of like vocal sampling and stuff like that. It's, it's a very different feel, but it's so good to write to. So that's, that's, I, I guess those aren't, I wouldn't say necessarily inspirations, but they are definitely grease for the wheels of writing that listening to stuff like that helps a lot. I feel like the soundtrack of our lives is actually very important to getting us in certain mindsets. Like, for example, in those moments when I reset from one environment to another, um, I always I always find myself gravitating towards um, simple but beautiful melodic piano. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of Debussy lately. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, I find you know just like any other set of tools um, that you use in your life, you know, like you want to have the perfect screwdriver to achieve something or. Uh, you want to have the perfect um, device to to do a certain task. Um, you also need the right tools and resources to to reset your brain as well. It's all about that trickery, right? Convincing ourselves, uh, you know, because we have to fool ourselves until we, like what you said, until it becomes not a choice anymore. We have to trick sure. and cajole and manipulate ourselves to get what we want. Um, that's why, you know, like I said earlier, Certain things, it's going to feel like a lie um, because until you believe it, it is a lie. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's the way choices are. Uh, and, it's, and that's totally okay, by the way. <laughs> you know, the, the term fake it till you make it exists for a reason. It's because every, every single thing we do in life um, in which we want to achieve something or we want to master something is, is tricking yourself into thinking it before you've done it. I just I was listening to something the other day, and maybe even a better word than choice that we've been using, we should have been using the word decide, um, because decide it comes from the same root as incision, um, because a decision is a cutting. You're cutting off the option to the other thing. You're you're making a choice. This is why decisions are painful, because you're always cutting something off. Um, and I think that especially for writers. Um, that decision is when you start putting things on paper is when you're making decisions. And that's always so difficult for a writer because it's easier to keep an idea. This applies to everybody. It's easier to keep an idea inside your head uh, because as long as it stays in your head, it's amorphous. It doesn't have shape. Um, it can be manipulated. It can be changed. Um, it can flow one way or another like liquid. Uh, so it, it always feels perfect. Because it can always be reshaped a little bit. But once you put it on paper, it has a shape that can't be uh, altered instantaneously. It requires work to change. Um, sure. And you start facing limitations. You start understanding what you're actually dealing with. And uh, that decision 
It's a difficult one. Um, so when, when creating, it's important to understand that you're, you're making a choice by creating, you know, you're choosing not to make that other thing. You're choosing to make this thing. Um, you're choosing not to do it that way. You're choosing to do it this way. Choices can be changed, but as we said, it's difficult. But I think that, that you, you make the, the, the more obvious point, which is, um, whatever decision you make, just make a decision, <laughs> you know, because I think two people are too terrified to even take that step to, 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 to be aware of the choice, to be aware of the decision that they have in front of them and to be aware of the fact that that decision confronts them every single day. Um, sometimes multiple times a day, you know, you can always decide to be too tired. You can always decide to have too much to do or not have enough time or whatever it may be. But, but, but you, in those moments are, are the critical moments in which you have to decide that, whatever difficult thing you have to push through to do the thing that you want to do is worth doing. And if it, those are all even not doing those things, like you said, those are decisions. You going back to what we said before, just be aware of the decisions you're making. And be, if, as long as you're cool with them, roll with it, man, it's your life. Um, but be aware that you're making decisions. And, and, and sometimes those decisions are really tough too, by the way, like I know, with my, my current situation now, like I, I have a finite amount of time for, for what I need to do and the things that are. The idea, because that podcast, what's it do? It takes that, the creativity of writing that song and deconstructs it. And what do I say on this show all the time, every time? There's a podcast dedicated to creativity, to deconstructing creativity, to breaking it down. It all comes from there in, in some small way. So do yourself a favor and go listen to that. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a uh, Rishikesh Herway. There we go. Oh, and you know what? Also, that reminds me of something that I, I actually forgot to put on my list to mention. I told you about it. Um, there's a documentary on uh, HBO called Everything Is Copy about the writer director Nora Ephron. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about Nora Ephron. Um, I just kind of put it on. Coincidentally, Meryl Streep has to ha happens to have a fairly uh, big part of the documentary because she was in a lot of Nora Ephron films. So that was a good lead into studying Meryl Streep. But uh, it's it's just a great biography of an artist uh, in general. But the one part that I wanted to bring up right here is there's there's a, a section where they're talking about when Harry met Sally. And the, in the film When Harry Met Sally, the most famous scene is... Meg Ryan's character explaining to Billy Crystal's character that sometimes women fake orgasms. And then she proves it by faking an orgasm in the middle of this diner full of people. And at the end of the scene, this old woman who's staring over the waitress comes up to her. And she says, I'll have what she's having. And it's, it's like the most famous scene in this movie. And in everything is copy the documentary they they show a clip of Charlie Rose asking Nora Ephron about that scene, and uh, she basically says that it, it was it wasn't something that she came up with. Um, she had been going through the process. So when Harry met Sally, is essentially about relations between men and when, women, and is it possible for men and women to actually be friends without sex coming into it? And so, in order to accomplish the script. Uh, she went around and she started interviewing uh, men uh, about 
you know, like little secret little men things. What do men talk about? You know, the stuff that women already know about women. She wanted to know what men know about men. And uh, so she talked to Rob Reiner, who's the, the director of When Harry Met Sally, and a few other people. And in the process of talking to Rob Reiner and somebody else about this, the the fact that women fake orgasms sometimes came up. And apparently they didn't know this. Maybe the only reason most of us know this is because of When Harry Met Sally. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, because of that, she you know, this conversation, she, oh, well, maybe we should put that into the script. So, you know, there's like a joint effort here and already because now she's having this conversation with Rob Reiner that creates a scene. So they put the scene in and they're doing the scene. And during the scene, it was just the conversation. The the, the actually faking um, the orgasm wasn't part of the scene yet. Um, so when they're running through the scene, Meg Ryan goes, what, why don't I just do that? Why don't I just make that? And they're like, would you do that? And she's like, yeah. So Meg Ryan throws her part in. And then they get to the end of the scene, and then Billy Crystal throws in the part about the woman saying, I'll have what she is having. So this this the most famous scene in this movie is just a complete joint effort. And uh, I, that totally fits everything we've said earlier about letting go of ego. You know, mm-hmm. just getting that collaborative spirit. Go check out that documentary. Lamb, what, what else you got for us? Uh, what what do you have for us? Was that your thing, the, the, the documentary? No, that was just a comment, but I don't want to go off on a tangent on my own for too long. <laughs> um, Song Exploder, um, I have been diving strangely back into um, so, two, two such weirdly opposite things. Um, the Fallen, which is a, a show on or a Netflix show that I guess originated. I, I don't know where it originated. I didn't really look at the origins of it, but um, I still think it to be Gillian Anderson's best work or the, the fall. I'm the sorry, fall, not the yeah. fall. Yeah. The fall um, Gillian Anderson's best work. Um, and I really, really liked her in Hannibal. So that's, that's saying something. Um, I also loved her on X-Files. So that's really um, telling in many ways. Um, the fall is fantastic. Um, and, and something a little different for me, which is, um, um, the new Star Trek series that's coming out on CBS. Um, I've been kind of monitoring that one pretty closely because I'm a huge Trek nerd. Um, Trekkie for, for those, I, I, I hate calling myself that, but I guess that's the most apt. Um, and really, really hoping that they get it right. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, like, I, you know, we've talked in the past about remaining true to source material and how little I care about that. But what I do care about is the essence or the soul of a series being lost because of, because of an executive's need for marketing. So I'm very, very worried about that series considering how many twists and turns it's taken, um, including yeah, speaking of Hannibal, the the original showrunner uh, Brian Fuller, who is one of my favorite showrunners in all of the 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 cinematic world, um, was originally slated to to helm that show. Um, that pun is entirely intended, um, <laughs> and he pulled out. Uh, uh, you know, because of creative differences and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the, the reasons are not really spectacularly clear as to why he pulled out, but he was a huge Trek nerd. Um, and he, he was, I, I at least thought that he was going to do the series justice. Um, the trailer was, for it was released and I was pretty excited by how the trailer looked, even though a lot of people ripped on it for not looking like the, the classic series. Um, I, 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 by the way, I still hate that. Um, of course it's not going to look like the classic series. The classic series was made 50 years ago. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, it's going to look updated, guys. And yeah, we understand spaceflight and 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 the perils of space much more clearly now than we did uh, 50 years ago because we've been there. So uh, everyone, just let go of that, um, please. Um, but yeah, I hope they maintain the the essence of the, the the series and the show and the spirit of Star Trek, and they do it right. Well, for the record, when the Next Generation came out, they complained that it didn't look like the original series too. Ah, so lame. And it ended up being, at least in my opinion, it's by far the best series um, of any of the, the the Star Trek series that have been out. Absolutely. And when Deep Space Nine came out, they complained that it wasn't on a ship. Yeah, that the, the ship wasn't moving. Yeah. Ah, and, so annoying. And they were mad because it was the first thing that wasn't on the Enterprise. There's always going to be somebody to complain about something. Just uh, sure. just go and look at any tech blog right now. Um, now that Apple's released all of their stuff and find out how many people are complaining about small details. <laughs> of course. Those are people, are. those are people that are treading, treading in the path of the, of the ego right there. They're so concerned with all the small things that the, they've missed the, the grand story. Uh, I think the trailer for the, the Star Trek series looked pretty great. It, it was, yep. I enjoyed it a lot. I love the fact that it's the first time we have a female captain and a female first officer. Um, mm-hmm. And that's 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 really, um, I think that's a big thing. You know, people might think that's not a big thing, but I I think that's a big deal because maybe as, as it's on uh, CBS, am I correct? Yeah, the CBS All Access is it's going to be online only. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Either You're way, even going to play it on on TV. Being on a being on a main network like that and uh, having two women of power um, helming a show. It's it's steering steering society in the right direction, in my opinion. Um, sure. That people are starting to uh, be comfortable. I shouldn't say people. That marketing and uh, corporations are starting to become comfortable with what the rest of us already know, that men and women are actually equal. Um, but before I go on another tangent, <laughs> speaking of, actually speaking of that, um, this without intending to, I played right into the first thing that I wanted to um, share that I've been into, which is the originality podcast. Um, Lamb Lam brought up a podcast of uh, Song Exploder, which is even though they file themselves in uh, art, they could be right in the group with us of creativity themed podcasts. Originality is also a, a, a creativity themed podcast. And what's fascinating about originality, um, not only is it a really good show, but it's almost uh, like the mirror image of our show in the sense that it's a podcast about creativity, uh, finding out how creators uh, take ideas and bring them to life. But it's hosted instead of by two men, it's hosted by two women. So if you guys look in the overcast charts, you'll see us and originality trading places and the, the illusionist kicking us both in the teeth continually to the the ladies of originality, welcome to the podcast world. I know you guys have other podcasts. Welcome to the creativity podcasting world. They're bringing some really good stuff. They've they've done two episodes so far. They have kind of uh, their their format is, is sort of similar to Radio Lab in the sense that uh, it's the two of them talking with. They've done interviews with people, but it's not just the full interview. It's just clips from the interview. Um, intermingled into the conversation that they're having with each other. It's really good. You guys should go listen to it. I I must admit I still haven't yet. Shame. 
Shame, yeah, I know. Shame. I know. I just, you know, you know how it is, man. I have such a vast list of podcasts I listen to now that it's, you know, I'm still listening to to some long ones. Like I still listen to Hardcore History, um, and those things. Oh are yeah, it's like a week and a half of listening, right? Yeah, there. it's it's like an entire, you know. Thank goodness, or not thank goodness. I hate my long commute, but my long commute does afford me the amount of time it takes to to listen to a podcast like that. But it still takes two or three days worth of driving for me to digest an entire episode. I just digested in two days the the entirety of uh, the Up and Vanished podcast, uh, which is a well, actually it's not even over yet, but uh, it was like something like fifty episodes. It's it's a crime podcast, and I love those crime podcasts, a la Serial and S Town and so forth. Sure, sure. What's that uh, one? A sword and it's called Sword and Stone, I think. What's oh, it Sword and Scales. Sword and Scale, yeah, that's right. It's was, a reference yeah. to the Statue of Lady Justice. Uh, I got sword you. in one hand, the scales in the other. Uh, I haven't listened to that one. I think that's about um, courtroom stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm not so much interested in that. I like the investigation. Sure. Anything else you want to share with us that you've been into? Um, I want to share how I'm 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 into it. Um, I think that the timing is really important. Um. Like with uh, with Song Exploder, I don't. I, there are, there are definitely times of day that I'd prefer to listen to it, and I don't think I could listen to it during the day, like when I'm driving around or just you know, because I feel like there's certain podcasts that you can kind of just throw on in the background and and listen to while you're doing other things. But I definitely feel like Song Exploder is one that you have to listen to carefully. So I've now added that to my my list of things that I do at the end of the night. Um, it's it's going to be one episode every single night before I go to sleep. Nice. It's your bedtime story. Yeah, exactly. So the last thing I have kicking around in my head is a beautifully described process for a creation of a work of fiction. Um, and that's what I, I dream to. I like that. Um, you know what I've been... I, I don't know that I intentionally did this. You know what I've been doing recently is I've been watching a lot of documentaries about video games. Huh. It's kind of strange, right? Yeah. Like I watched... Uh, Man versus Snake, which is really good. It's about a guy that uh, played this arcade game in the eighties called uh, Nibbler. I think it's called Nibbler. It's essentially like remember um, the Nokia phones used to have that game of Snake on them, mm-hmm. where you have to keep moving the snake around without eating its tail uh, or touching any other part of it, but uh, it keeps growing longer and longer. It's essentially that game, uh, but like a Atari-looking version. And it's this guy got like the world record or whatever, and then, and it's it's just about him trying to get it again. Um, it's it, but it's fascinating to see this subculture that and it still exists, and it's not the gaming culture that we know, but like the old gaming culture, which is in, to me akin sort of to the old Dungeons and Dragons um, thing in the sense that uh, it was very. There was magazines dedicated to it and rankings and, um, you know, people would go to arcades and, and get these scores on our, in arcades so that there was witnesses to them doing it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so that it could be published. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And it, this is one I watched a long time ago. Uh, it kind of goes along with it. It's called King of Kong, which is about uh, Donkey Kong. Um, that's a great documentary. And then another one I stumbled across is one called Nintendo Quest. And it's about this guy that uh, 
decides he wants to collect every single Nintendo game that was ever made, which was, I think, 768. Uh, and his friend challenges, his friend's the documentary filmmaker, challenges, challenges him to get all 768 in 30 days without using the internet in any way, shape, or form. Huh. So he's driving around to places that have Nintendo cartridges and just buying any that he can find, but he has a budget, a fixed budget, um, and you just learn some really fascinating things about things that you didn't think people were still paying attention to. Like, for example, that the most rare Nintendo game is a game called uh, Track and Field. Shoot. No, Track Events. Dang I think it's called Track Events. I just totally messed up by not remembering the name of it. Uh, but essentially, people have sold it for like $70,000. Holy crap. Yeah. So, fascinating stuff. Wow. That's shocking. <laughs> I'm not sure in what way those are inspiring me other than just like getting me excited about uh, maybe maybe they inspire me because they make me want to make a documentary. Hey man, sometimes sometimes it's not useful to know why. It's just useful to do. <laughs> that's true. And you'll discover the why later. I think I think that's that's actually kind of something that I meant to talk about on this on this episode and I totally forgot to. So thank you for bringing that up. Um is that you know let let your heart and 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 mind wander where it wants to. Um like you know I've been really diving into to Nordic history lately. So I'm kind of on the same path as you. Like just something that makes absolutely zero reasonable sense for where i am as a person but yeah man i'm 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 obsessed with with the the kings of old when it comes to to the the nordic history that and it comes from um it comes from how much i i i think we completely misunderstand nordic history so yeah it's it's pretty cool um and but it's also inspired me to to want to write some pretty some pretty visceral stuff so um you know it, I, I you consume what you need in the time that you need it and then it produce it, it helps you to produce what your your heart and mind is trying to get out to the rest of the world yeah i, I think you bring up a very good point there i think sometimes we use uh this idea of inspiration as a utility it's not always a utility sometimes it's just uh an energy thing sometimes you just need energy from something and it gives it to you and you don't know what the purpose of, of that energy is. It might not even be related to the thing which gives you energy. Like going for a walk. Uh, you know, the, there's no direct correlation to, I go for a walk, therefore I am inspired to create shoes. No, sometimes you just go for a walk because you need energy. And then you use that for whatever thing that you need to work on. So that's a very good point that you bring up. And that single-mindedness is probably... Um, a bad, bad mindset for. I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Single-mindedness in general is bad. Yeah, there's there's never an instance in which limiting how you think about something directly helps it. Um, you know, I, um, struggles. I I just want to make sure that that ratio just instead of just steadily increases. Um, you know, right now, like our ratio, for example, is is a one to one to five hundred ratio. You know, if each episode has a thousand downloads and that means that we each five have 500 people each that we're reaching and i i just want that number to increase i want it to be one to a thousand one to ten thousand one to a hundred thousand and that's not because i have any sort of real egotism about it you know i don't really care particularly that 
you know, it's a million people listening to the po- this podcast. But what makes me so excited and what actually gives me an emotional charge and almost makes me, almost brings me to tears in a lame kind of way is the possibility that I could really help that many people with something that I care so much about. Um, and I, I can only imagine what a person like Cheryl Strayed with, with what she's done with Tiny Beautiful Things as well as Wild um, feels like when, when, she, when she sits down and really thinks about how effective her work 